Amen. Amen. Go ahead and pull out your Bibles and something to take notes with this morning. We are continuing our Build the Home series. Has anybody been here any of the last three weeks? Should be most of you. Hope you've been encouraged by the Word of God. I know I am getting just so encouraged by the Bible. I'm falling more in love with the Word of God. Uh, God is really just speaking clearly to us as a church to take this next season of our church and focus on building the home. We are trying to go back to the ground level and not necessarily uh, sort of assume that we don't know anything and just say, okay, God, teach us from the ground up. What does it mean to build our homes according to the Word? of God. The first week we started about talking about God's vision for the household, starting with creation and all through scripture. Then we talked about men and masculinity. Last week we talked about uh, women and femininity, and we've been discussing the reality that when God wanted to create his imagers for all of creation, he didn't create an individual, he created a household. We want to build our homes according to the word of God. So As we're covering the layers of the home, we've talked about God's design and desire for the home. We've talked about, now we've got men. We found out those are real. We talked about women. We found out women are real. And so now we got to talk about marriage. Now we've got to talk about marriage. So that's the next layer of the home. And just shout out to the Holy Ghost real fast, making marriage encounters start Friday night. I bet you thought we were smart for doing that. Zero planning went into that. So that just works out. We'll take it. We were talking this morning. I just realized that this morning. I was like, oh, man, people are going to think we're smart. (laughs) We're not. (laughs) Okay, open up your Bibles uh, to Ephesians chapter 5. I should have told you that and given you a heads up. Ephesians chapter 5. As we talk about marriage today, there's many things that we could work through together to build godly marriages, and we can't even get close to covering that today. So I can't encourage you enough to be going to Marriage Encounter. We're not going to be getting into too many topics this morning. The the heart of this series is just saying, God, help us get, get our vision right for all of this stuff. And Marriage Encounter is going to be a great place to get into a lot of the practicals on that. So why did you stand for the reading of the Word of God? We're going to get to Ephesians 5. I'm going to read a couple of things out of Genesis 1 and 2 before we get to Ephesians 5. Genesis 1, 27 and 28. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Genesis 2, 22 through 25. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. And she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. 
Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, And let the wife see that she respects her husband. Let's pray. Lord, we honor you this morning. We thank you for your word. And we just surrender ourselves to you to come under your word this morning. We are so thankful for how you are leading us. And even just here in this church, some of the things you're doing right now, we're just so thankful to be a part of it. We thank you for this morning and the fact that you are here with us. We thank you that your word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. We pray that you would be surgical with your word on us this morning, that you would divide the things of the flesh off of us, that we might be alive in the Holy Spirit. We pray, O God, that you would uh, baptize us in the merciful conviction of the Holy Spirit, that we might see the road forward, that your word would be a light unto our path and a lamp unto our feet this morning, that you would teach us what marriage is and how to do it so that we can live in the life of Christ and not drown in our own selfishness, Lord. We pray, O God, for your word to do what it is that you send it out to do, and we come under that expectation and reality and invitation this morning. Come and do what only you can do in your powerful living word. We humble ourselves to you, Lord. We, as best we know how, we're here to learn from you. Every way we're not humble or hungry, would you just help us? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Go ahead and take a seat. As we are studying scripture through this series to build the home and ask God, how, how is it that you instruct us to build the home? Um, I wonder if you've noticed that we've had to do some demolition work along the way. Have you felt that? <laughs> Have you seen that? Had some fun conversations with many of you along the way, some like, ouch, and discomfort and some stuff like that, um, as, as demo day can be a little bit uncomfortable sometimes. We've had to do some demolition on lies that the word has that the world has told us we've had to kind of demolish and take down some lies that the world we're living in is trying to disciple us in that has created some worldviews for us that they may be normal but that doesn't mean that they line up with scripture and we want to be lined up with scripture we don't want to be discipled by the flesh we want to be discipled by the holy spirit And the more we get discipled by the Holy Spirit, I think that at least I realize how much I've been discipled by the flesh. And so I'm thankful for the Word of God. I'm thankful for the church of God. I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit who guides us and leads us along the way. I'm thankful for the love of God to teach us how to properly build our homes. 
as we endeavor to do that by hearing the word of God and doing the word of God. I know that some of the demolition can be a little bit uncomfortable, but it is not towards an end of condemnation. It is towards the end of what Jesus promises us. Those who hear my word and do what it says will be like the man who built his house on the rock. And when the winds come and the rains come and the storms blow, that house will get hit, but it will not fall. And we are living in a world and a reality where we know the question is not in Jesus' illustration whether one gets to build a house or not. Everybody gets to build a house. You only find out what it's built on when the storm comes. And the storm will come. The storm does come. Many of you are in storms, all of these things. And so we are not after a life of ease and comfort. We are after a life that stands on the rock of the word of Jesus Christ. So now we're going to talk about marriage this morning. And what scripture teaches us, what the word of God teaches us, is that your marriage is not your thing that you need God's help with. Your marriage is God's thing that you need, God, that you need God's leadership for. That's the first thing that the Bible teaches us about marriage. That marriage is not a human thing that humans created and is for humans to define. It is a mystery, it's a mysterious thing for God to define. Marriage is designed and defined by God, and he defines it as one man and one woman in lifelong covenant with each other. Marriage, or God defines and designs marriage. It is the first bond of the family. It is where two individuals become one flesh in covenant that is consummated by sex. And it is a mystery that reflects Christ and the church. Marriage is not from humans. Marriage is not from humans. So to do marriage well, we should not look first to humans. We should not look first to books or to our friends or to our spouses or to ourselves. We should not check with our feelings or preferences or opinions or experiences when we're curious about what marriage is or how it ought to go. If we want to learn to build our homes God's way, if we want to learn how to do our marriages God's way, we need to start by learning from him how we should be doing the thing that he designed, that he purposed for us to bear his image. You are not made in your image. You are not made for your own sake. Marriage is not made for you to make it what you want it to be for your own sake either. Imagine that. You are not made in your image or for your own sake. Marriage is not for you to make it what you want it to be, and it's not for your own sake either. Now, you are unique. Okay. You're special. You are unique. You are unique and your marriage is unique. Your spouse is unique. Somebody say amen. amen. <laughs> 
You're unique. Your marriage is unique, but it's not unique that you are a person, and it's not unique that you are married. The best way to live your unique life and for your unique marriage to thrive is not by getting creative and trying to come up with your own way of living and doing marriage. The best way for you to live your unique life and your unique marriage is by accepting and embracing and surrendering to the design of life and the design of marriage that your designer has given you. Marriage is not a societal construct. It is, it is not a blank slate opportunity or a leverage for you to pull for you to pursue your dreams. Your life is not your own. Amen? Your life is not your own. You didn't make it. You didn't give it to yourself. And you sure didn't save yourself. You are not here to worship yourself. You are not here to image yourself. You, as a Christian, you have died with Christ, and you now live with Christ and live unto Christ. You are no longer a slave to sin. You are free, and free to be a slave to righteousness. You are now free to be obedient to your master. You are now free to bow to your Lord. You are now free to be a bondservant of your Savior. Your marriage is not your own. Your marriage is not your own. It's not about you, and it's not just about your marriage being good for you. And your marriage being good isn't even an end in and of itself. Your marriage is supposed to be an image of Christ and the church. You are supposed to be an imager of God. And your marriage is supposed to be an image of Christ and the church. And it will only ever be that if the man and the woman are both first surrendered to being imagers of God personally. How are we doing so far? <laughs> okay, so we've got a man and we've got a woman. The man needs to be an imager of God as a man. We've got a woman and she needs to be an imager of God as a woman. And then when they get married, that one man and one woman become one flesh. And for that to be what it's supposed to be, that one man and one woman who are committed to imaging God as individuals become a one flesh union that now is committed to that union being an image of Christ in the church. When that married couple is surrendered to their marriage, being ordered and nurtured according to the kingdom of God, they will be an image of Christ in the church. All of it, the marriage, the whole thing, top to bottom, it's an opportunity to image Christ in the church. Sex, Kids, schedules, careers are all now surrendered to these two people becoming one flesh to partner with God to carry his image on the earth. 
surrendered to participate in his kingdom, which is just a smaller picture individually of the church being the bride of Christ and partnering with him in his kingdom. So in the beginning, God creates the heavens and the earth. Have we heard that enough the last few weeks? (laughs) The beginning's a good place to start. In the beginning, God creates the heavens and the earth, and he makes humanity in his image. This is review time. In order to make humanity to bear his image, he doesn't just make a man or an individual. He makes a household. He creates them male and female, and then he gives them marriage to become one flesh. Ephesians 5 that we read teaches us plainly that marriage isn't a human thing. It, it totally affirms what we find in Genesis. Genesis and Adam and Eve, has, or there's no record in Genesis of Adam and Eve saying, hey, let's get married. And like, what's that? I was like, I don't know. Like, let's, we just love each other, so let's be together and, you know, like help each other be the best we can be. Let's do that. I mean, you're naked, I'm naked, let's do that. That's not what Genesis says. It says that God created male and female and then said that they're going to become one flesh. That's how that's going to go. And then Ephesians 5 picks up on this and affirms that marriage is not a human thing. It is part of the mandate to humanity to image God. Verse 31, it says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Quotes Genesis there. And then we say, we get this next verse. This mystery is profound. This mystery of a man leaving his father and mother and holding fast to his wife and the two becoming one flesh, it is a mystery and it is a profound mystery. And the word of God tells us what I'm saying is that it refers to Christ and the church. Male and female are an image of something. Marriage is an image of something. Christ and the church is not an image of marriage. Marriage is an image of Christ and the church. It's important to know which one comes first because the one that comes second should learn from the one that came first. And if Christ is an image of marriage, we've got the whole thing backwards. That means we're defining this marriage thing and Jesus is watching us to figure out how he should be with his church. We don't believe that. In case you're curious, we just don't. (laughs) It doesn't go that way. No, 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 no. No, marriage is to learn from Christ and the church. When we obsess over these times that we're living in being unique, we are led to then obsess over ourselves being unique. And when we obsess over ourselves being unique, we begin to see our marriages as primarily unique. When we see our times and ourselves and our marriages as totally unique, we then see the word of God as optional. Of course, we believe the Bible. We're good Christians. We go to church on Sundays. We're here. 
Of course, we love the Bible. We believe the Bible because we are Christians and and we would love to search the Bible and fully submit to it because we believe it is the word of God. But first, we've got to figure out if it applies to our unique times and unique selves and our unique marriages. Because let's just be honest, it's so old and general and we're so new and unique. Okay, see, we're getting there. But we do not need to reconcile the word of God to our unique selves. We need to reconcile our unique selves to the word of God. Our job as Christians is not to reconcile the word of God to the world. Our job as Christians is to reconcile the world to the word of God. So let's elevate the word of God in our lives. Let's elevate the word of God in our lives personally. Let's elevate the word of God in our marriages. Let's maybe lay down what we've been told by the world about how we are so special and unique and new and novel. And what could this old book and ancient God have anything to say to these challenges that we're facing today? Let's set that aside for a second. And let's be so bold to believe that this is the eternal word of God, spoken by the eternal creator, who actually created us first and made us in his image and gave marriage to us to image him. He didn't just set us out here for us to invent him and for us to teach him how he ought to be with his church. Let us elevate the word of God this morning and do some quick, simple, good old-fashioned Bible study. And talk about what the Bible teaches us about our roles as men and women in marriage as we build the home together. As you know, we, uh, Brooke and I have been picking up the podcast again. So there's some cards in the back of the seat in front of you. If you've got questions that you'd like to hear more discussed on the podcast, please write those down. We can turn those in as you leave today. And also go to Marriage Encounter if I haven't said that already. Okay, so let's talk about marriage and roles in marriage. And if we're going to talk about marriage and roles in marriage, we have to build on what we've already talked about because we're building a home here, right? And when you build a home, you don't lay the foundation over here and then go frame the walls over there. You got to build on top of what you already built, okay? So if we're going to do this, we've got to remember and, and build on top of where we've already been. We, what we've talked about has to serve as the foundation for everything else to be built on. So as we look into roles and marriage, husbands... Be a man. That's good. Step one, be a man. Be a man. And no matter what the Bible then teaches us about roles in marriage, it's going to affirm and build on what we've already talked about. Husbands, you need to be a man. You need to order things according to the glory of God. That is your role. That is your responsibility to God in creation. And it's your role and responsibility under God in marriage. And you need to choose whether you want to be passive and selfish or if you want to be a good man. You can't be both. Wives, you need to be a woman. You need to nurture things according to the glory of God. 
Your role and your responsibility from God is to be the help of God to creation. And in marriage, specifically to your husband, to nurture what he is ordering for the glory of God. You need to choose whether you're going to be discontent and independent or be a good wife. Be a good woman of God. You can't do both. We've both been rebuked enough? Okay. <laughs> All right. Ephesians 5, through 23. Building on what we've talked about in Genesis over these last few weeks, let's pick up in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Now, I know these verses have several swear words in them. But if we can remove ourselves from a worldly perspective that puts our unique selves and unique times on center stage, if we could just move them off from center stage for just a second and focus just on scripture for a second, can we just look at the Bible? Look, let's, let's, let's just pretend like we'll, get, we'll, we'll pick that stuff up later. Hopefully not, but maybe. Let's just look at scripture here. And if we do that for just a second, I think we'll all admit that if a man is responsible to order things for the glory of God and a woman is supposed to be God's help to nurture the life of God for the glory of God, and if a man and a woman are supposed to work together to become one flesh and be the image of God, and if when they do that by getting married, they image him perfectly and well, then these verses make perfect sense. If we just get rid of all the baggage, like this makes a ton of sense considering everything we've talked about thus far. It's pretty clear how this should go, and it lines up with everything we've talked about. And it's also just clear. It's saying, hey, if you want to get married, and when you get married, this is what you sign up for when you get married. When you get married, you are signing up for this role, not just to your husband, but before God. If you want to learn how to be a good wife... Study how the church is supposed to submit to Christ. Because a good wife is the image of a good church. You aren't responsible to your husband for how you submit to him. You are responsible to God for how you submit to your husband. You aren't responsible for making sure your husband loves and leads you perfectly. You are responsible for how you respect and submit to him as unto the Lord. Now, we got a lot to work through with the husbands, so we're just going to let all that lie. Because that's just what it says. And I think the husbands get like three, three times more verses here, so buckle up, boys. All right, our turn. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself for no one ever hated his own flesh but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, 
and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Okay, sometimes in an effort to be practical, these absolutely fireball verses get completely neutered. And it's taught that like a good Christian husband is just like a kind man who takes out the trash and does what his wife wants and checks in with her before he does anything else. Because he should love his wife like Christ loved the church and Christ is a pushover, so you should be too. Wow, what a vision to live for. I'm just so stirred to be a man of God. Christ does not love the church by just doing what the church wants. Christ does not love the church by checking in with the church before he does anything. Jesus does not ask the church how she wants to be led or where she wants to be led to. Jesus does not do the will of the church. Jesus does the will of the Father. And he has given himself up for her. Galatians 1 verse 3 says that he gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age. Not according to the will of the church. According to the will of our God and Father. Christ loves the church by knowing the will of God. By doing it no matter the cost. And by leading his bride in it. The way that you love your wife like Christ loved the church is by giving yourself completely to the will of God. You are not accountable to your wife to do what your wife wants you to do. You are accountable to God to do what he wants you to do. You do not need to do what your wife wants you to do, you need to do what God wants you to do. The fear of your wife cannot surpass the fear of God. And if you're hearing me correctly right now, you should fear God way more than you did 30 seconds ago. If the opposite's happening, you just missed the whole point. If you're like, oh, yeah, right. Yeah, you missed it. Call me later when that doesn't work out. Man of God. Are you there? Man of God. You need to love your wife by leading her in the will of God and not just leading her in your will. Woman of God. Woman of God, you need to help your husbands in the will of God, not hinder them by trying to force your will. Yes, men, you need to serve your wife and you need to know your wife and the unique woman that she is and all of that stuff. Go to Marriage Encounter for all that. But the wife is not the foundation of a good husband. To be a good husband, you must first love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. 
You must love her by giving your entire self to knowing and doing the will of God, no matter the cost. And if you're thinking, well, what if I don't know the will of God? You're on the right track. It's exactly the point. You must first love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that you might sanctify her. You must first lead your wife towards sanctification. And the best and only way to do that is to order yourself first towards sanctification. You give yourself to a godly and a virtuous life, and she'll not only follow you, she'll probably end up outdoing you. And she probably already is. Having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. If you want to fulfill your responsibility, lead your wife and home and to if you want to fulfill your responsibility to lead your wife and your home in the word of God you have to fulfill your responsibility to lead yourself in the word of God if you don't know how to be led by the word of God take some initiative to bring some men into your life to sharpen you your wife can help you in this but don't make her pick up your slack there's a big difference It's not your job to choose between your way or her way. It's your job to make sure y'all go his way. So that you might present, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Let your aim be, men, that under your love and leadership, your wife is presented to God without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Is she growing in holiness because of your love and your leadership? Or does she have to grow in holiness despite your lack of love and leadership? That she might be holy and without blemish. Are you leading and covering your wife in righteousness like Christ does for the church? Or are you harsh and grumpy at her like the devil is towards the church? Love your wife as you love your own body. He who loves his wife loves himself. Loving your wife doesn't have to be crazy complicated, at least to start. Start by doing unto her as you would have her do unto you. Are you tired from a long day? She probably is too. Give her some grace. Do you want some alone time to refresh? She probably does too. Or maybe a date. Do you need something? Do you want something? Do you feel something? She probably does too. (laughs) Ask her about it. Do you want her to understand that you don't want to talk right now? She probably wants you to understand she does want to talk right now. (laughs) You want her to have some food on the table? She probably wants you to thank her for it. (laughs) (laughs) You want the kids to be quiet? She probably wants you to be patient with them. 
You don't need to read her mind. You just need to know what's on yours. And then die to yourself (laughs) and love her as you would have her do unto you. All right, we're gonna wrap up with something special. So band, come on up. This is gonna be so fun. I've been so wound up about this all week. Get out something to write with, pen or paper. If it doesn't have to be your phone, then that's great. If it does have to be your phone, that's fine, but get something to write with. I just talked a lot. And like I said, there are so many dynamics to talking about all of this. There is what the Bible says, and then there's like, us and our unique selves, you know, our personalities, our histories, our decisions, our normals, our experiences, our pains, our preferences, our joys, our fears, right? I mean, okay. So although I believe that what I have said is the truth of the Bible and, and all of this stuff is stuff that we all need to hear because it's God's design for marriage for all of us, I have no chance of speaking to each one of you exactly what you need to hear out of all of this today. So we all need to hear all of this, but I don't know what you need to hear today. But God does. So in order to land the plane, we're just going to let God land the plane on all of this today. We're going to end by just making space for a minute, 90 seconds, for us to just be quiet, and I want you to listen to God. So what you're going to do on the thing you have to write with, you're going to write your name, and then a comma, and the little phrase, I want you to know. So if it was me, I would put Andrew, I want you to know. You've heard all of this about marriage today, but what what does God want to say to you today? So we're just going to be still and listen. We're going to take, yeah, 90 seconds to be quiet and listen to the Lord. If you don't have something out, you're gonna be really bored. Might as well jump in. Andrew, I want you to know, we're gonna listen to the voice of God. I just want you to write down what the Lord begins to speak to you. If you think you don't hear God, all that sort of stuff, just just give it 90 seconds. Go ahead and write down. So Lord, would you come and speak and let everybody know what it is that you want them to know.
right, we're gonna take like another minute here. You can pick that up anytime you want. Next thing I want you to write is even easier. Beneath what you just wrote, wrote down, I will, and then we're gonna take another 60 seconds here. And again, submit it to the Lord, not just coming up with your own ideas. It's probably fairly clear if you let it be simple. What is it that you will respond by doing in light of what God just said and what he's leading you to? Let's take 60 seconds. Just sit there with the word of the Lord and write down whatever it is that he's leading you in. I will All right, let's stand as we wrap up our time together this morning. Our prayer team is gonna be up here if you need prayer for anything in your life. If there's anything that you just, you know, you're like, I'm gonna do this and I just love somebody to pray for me. Whatever it is that you need, come up and get the prayer that you need. We're gonna use these few minutes to worship the Lord and I want you to consecrate yourself in these times to receiving what it is that God has spoken to you this morning and consecrating yourself for what it is that he's inviting you to do. So I'm gonna pray for us. Our prayer team can come on up and we're gonna worship together. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for your leadership in our lives. We submit ourselves to you and towards you in everything. We're asking that you would lead us by your grace. Come Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship together.